Hello, hello. This is episode 14 of Making a Marketer. Today we're talking retail marketing and we have a stellar guest. Her name is Selena Knight. She's here all the way from Sydney, Australia. Hey, I'm Megan Powers and uh, I'm with Powers of Marketing. You can find me on Twitter at Megan Powers and um, this show is brought to you by my company and um, we do strategic marketing consulting for businesses of all sizes, uh, especially in the meetings and events space. So today we're um, recording live on Facebook. This is our mid-month show and uh, it'll be 30 minutes show and today I'm trying something new and I'm also broadcasting from my personal page in addition to Powers of Marketing page. Um, of course, as always, we'll pull the audio uh, off of the uh, video and we'll post it on the podcast. So I want to give a big welcome to Selena Knight. Welcome. Hi there. How are you? So I'm good. Thank you for rallying this morning. I have a confession to our, our listeners and those of, um, who, who didn't hear me earlier. Um, obviously if you're listening on the replay, this will be news, but I did some bad math and, um, Actually, I did proper math in the wrong season. So we sprang forward and at the time that I gave her to start was 8 a.m. her time, but really it was 7 a.m. So it's been a little bit of a scramble between that and some technical difficulties this morning. But I appreciate you um, really rallying today to, to, uh, to be on the show. No problem. It just means you don't get the really great hair at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you look wonderful. What are you talking about? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Um, and I know you have a podcast too. And um, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to hear, I want our listeners to hear about that. I'm going to give you a little introduction now. And if I've said anything or if I've left anything out, you know, be sure to let me know. So Selena Knight is a retail strategist, consultant, and speaker who loves speaking about growing cash flow, sales, and profits through customer experience digital marketing, and customer attraction retention strategies. Her passion is to help independent retailers like you uh, have a profitable retail business without burning out, successfully building, growing, then selling a multi-award winning chain retail stores. She now focuses on empowering other retailers to build their businesses. Now that is pretty powerful. So we tell our, um, our viewers and listeners, I'm sure they'd love to know, how you got to the point of helping other business owners. Can you briefly tell us your story? I mean, that, that said a little bit about it, but um, from your perspective, kind of how did you get to where you are now? Oh, that could be a whole story in itself. But in, in a nutshell, um, I, I, I do feel quite blessed to be where I am right now. I was in a situation when I was young, when I was in my sort of early teens, where I had to, to leave my home. And as a result, I had to kind of get shuffled between grandparents and then you know people outside of our family to look after me because my mum was not in a position to look after us so I've kind of been out there really hustling and I, I'm so anti-hustle these days I'm 42 now the word hustle just makes me want to cringe but I have to say back when I was sort of in my 15 16 17 that was when I was hustling and you know, I just had to, I didn't know any better. So for me, it was just a case of you want something better in life, you go out and work for it. So you know, I, I was quite lucky in the sense that I, you know, I always had people who were there to support me, even if they weren't necessarily my family, you know, friends, whatever. But I went through a lot of 
uh, quite a lot of turbulent situations in my younger days. And I, I mean, one of the ones I remember just quite clearly was trying to get a lease for an apartment when you're only 16. That's really difficult. <laughs> um, but, you know, you don't know any other way. So you just keep working at it. You just keep working at it. I started my, my first career as a horticulturist for local government, so for a local authority. And I, I don't even know how I got into that because I'd always loved the concept of gardening, but our family were not gardeners. It's not like I'd been pottering around in the garden and so this was my next logical step. It just seemed like a really good idea at that time. <laughs> I think that happens to a lot of us. I think a lot of us end up where we are based on, yeah, just happenstance. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did that for uh, probably about six or seven years. And then when, once you've been in the industry and you've completed your trades and whatnot, you usually find a specialty. So my specialty was a boriculture, which is tree surgery. So then I went on and trained as a tree surgeon and I was, you know, climbing trees and driving trucks and driving tractors and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, I kind of grew out of local government. It, it worked out that you can only get to a certain point in those kind of hierarchical situations and being a young female there's like a level <laughs> you are never going to cross that level so i then went off to do something very similar and i worked for private enterprise so i went out to become a contract manager for the companies that trim the trees around the power lines it's the same field different situation and again you know there was sort of a, the situation there was that I was lucky enough to have a, a supervisor who was actually American. He'd come over to Australia because the company was American and he could just see that I had that drive and determination to make it work. Um, fast forward through then, I got head, headhunted by the actual power company to come and manage their contract management um, for the tree. So I've kind of spent my most of my beginning career in a really male-dominated society, you know, literally one, two women there was nobody there to show me what things should look like. And I always say that that was my induction into fire into customer experience because the thing about trees is people either love them or hate them. And when you cut them, people love you or they hate you. There's never an in-between because the people in between don't actually do anything. It's just, it just goes over their head. So I always say that that was my indoctrination of fire into trying to find win-win situations and trying to make sure that that customer experience left with everybody in an okay situation. I didn't know what customer experience was back then though. And now I have a word for it. Um, when I fast forward through there and when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was obviously very passionate about sustainability. I'm you know, a very natural kind of person. And this was in 2008. So guys, just remember, Facebook just kind of hit the, the shelves in 2008, 2009 for the I was one of the first people with a business Facebook page. I've been through the whole digital marketing cycle. When I had my daughter in hospital, we had to buy a prepaid dongle for my computer to send the photos to the in-laws overseas. <laughs> and we forget, right? It was only 10 years ago, but we forget. And you know, so I, I like to say I've been right through the digital marketing, you know, the plethora of algorithm changes and all and SEO changes and all that kind of stuff. So I, when I had my daughter, I actually left the, the power company and I couldn't find any of these sustainable products in a real store. And I was, you know, baby carriers, reusable nappies, you know, organic skincare. Now you can find them anywhere. 
But back in the day, there was nowhere. So I decided to um, start an online business, and which I did for about six months, and then I opened an actual physical store. And that whole store was built on community. I was a first-time mum, and I don't have any family nearby, so I didn't really have anybody I could talk to. And in my head, I just, I'll be honest, I didn't really like kids, right? <laughs> I don't know why I opened a baby shop, but... I think for me it was for the parents and I just wanted somewhere you could come and you could just ask the questions. And, and by default, we, we always ended up with women in the store. That was not because we had to, you know, I'd be more than happy to have any dads in there, but um, you know, guys just put your fingers in your ears if you want. But if a lady came in and she had crack nipples, we wanted to be able to say, you know what, we've tested all these products and these are what work. <laughs> And so that's what I wanted to build. And that's what I did build. And we grew, we grew that store. As you said, we won loads of awards. And eight years later, I realized I just processed myself out of the business. Gotcha. And it was no fun anymore. So I ended up selling the business. And now I'm here helping other people grow their businesses. Fantastic. Well, and it's interesting that you went from online to brick and mortar, um, which I think a lot of now are going the other way. And I want to, uh, later I'll, I want, I want to talk just a little bit. It's a short show today. So I know we could talk for an hour, but um, uh, just a, about how the online market is affecting brick and mortar. So if, if we have time to get your perspective on that, I would love that. So, okay. Sure. So there were two things in particular that you talk about that stood out to me that I would love for you to share uh, with our listeners. And then I'm going to say real quick too, for anyone who's watching on my personal page, hi guys, uh, come on over to Powers of Marketing. You'll get to see Selena and I, our awesome guests, all the way from Sydney, Australia. Um, and that's kind of why I'm doing it for those of you who tuned in late. <laughs> it's a little experiment to see if we get more live listeners on my business page. So, all right. So we're going to talk um, cash flow first. So there are three places that you've identified um, where businesses are leaking cash flow typically, yes. uh, and you have some some ways to fix it. So will you share that with us? Okay. The first one is marketing. We all know we need to be marketing and especially online marketing. But the biggest thing I see, in fact, I just did a, a, a webinar, like a, a live, we call them live masterclasses. We just did a live masterclass on this about people who advertise, and this one was about Facebook ads. So I'm going to talk about Facebook ads, but this encompasses everything. And just not being really clear about what you want the outcome to be. And so, so many people I know, you know, they do a trade show, they do Facebook ads, they do Instagram ads, Google ads. And when they don't work, they go, oh, that was a brand awareness campaign. I'm like, no, it's not. Oh, do we have to be, am I allowed to curse? You have to tell me because sometimes I get, ah, you good? No. Australia, I expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't bloody afford a brand awareness campaign. You know, you right. can afford a sales campaign. So one of the things is just be really clear about what the outcome is because how many people here are boosting posts on Facebook? A lot. And when you boost a post on Facebook, you, you can't really choose the objective that you want. And if you're using a sales campaign, you really want conversions. You want sales. You don't want to drive traffic. And this is the you know, same thing when people put flyers out, you know, when they do print media, they don't actually think about what the objective is. So they're leaking money in their marketing because they know they should be spending money on marketing because everybody tells them to, but they don't 
not necessarily that they don't even know what they're doing, but they haven't actually thought that whole journey through from this is where my person is when they see my piece of, you know, my ad, my piece of marketing to this is where I want them to go. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the biggest, the biggest one that I see is just people spending money on marketing and they're not getting any ROI because they just, they don't know where they want the person to end up or they're not driving them to the place they want them to end up. Well, they don't have any strategy behind it. Like they're just no. doing it to it. Yeah. Yes. Or they're, yeah, they're just throwing it up there. Like, that's what I would say when I, I have clients who they're on every platform, but they're not active on every platform. And so my advice always is you don't have to be everywhere. Yes. Um, but you just have to do the ones that you're on. You have to do them well. So if well, you're, if you have a Twitter account and you're not, no one's posted on it for five years, either get cracking or delete it. So that's interesting. I, I have, I, I would love your take on that because the theory has always been, you should always secure your name or your, you know, your tagline, your handle, whatever you're going to use across all social media platforms so that nobody else can come in and take them. Right. But with, with five years later and you haven't done anything with it. I mean, I see that, that in theory, and that's, I think that's partly why there's so many taken Twitter handles that are not active. Like, like making a marketer is yep. not available, but there's the person's not using it. So yep. I had to do make a marketer, which is yep. close, but not the same thing. So, you know, and I, I, I guess I could have gone through the exercise of trying to find that person. And, um, anyway, I, I just think, and Elizabeth says, Hmm, should I delete? So that's, that's an interesting point. Um, she has a, she works for a company now. She had a, a consulting business. Um, I don't know. I mean, or pin a tweet that says something about why you're not on there. I don't know. I just think um, if it's an active business, like if you're, I think Elizabeth, it's a little bit different because she's not actively working within that, within that arena. She's not consulting. Um, So, but if, you know, like if a client with a study abroad program and they, um, they have a Twitter account that they don't ever post to. And so my thought is um, if you want to compete with other schools that also have a Twitter account, then be active on your Twitter account. Otherwise I don't think it's worth having out there because it, to me, it shows a, a lack of, um, I don't know. It's, it's something's missing. That's, that's how yeah. I look. And I guess in this day and age, there are so many scheduling softwares out there that you don't actually have to do anything. Like worst case, even if you show that you're inept at Twitter, I am inept at Twitter, um, we still post our podcast out there once a week. So it's still something goes out there, but it's not an active channel in terms of, my people aren't hanging out on Twitter. So we have it there so that we can keep it live. And maybe maybe somebody is on Twitter, but the majority of our people are on Instagram and Facebook. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, then engagement is not an issue for you. Because if they're not engaging with you, then it's not an issue about you not engaging back. But that's always my yeah. thing is if you're going to be somewhere and posting that to try to to try to not have it be a one way street, you know, yes, to have be that, sure. that conversation. But it is a good news platform. And yeah, if you're you may get discovered by people who don't know about you because of Twitter. And I think that's where the great value is in it. And that, you know, links to like I find the most value in Twitter from 
well, first of all, community, because I've, I have a community on, on Twitter, but I know everybody doesn't, but like I have a, you know, I have a tribe, but I work in social media too. So, I mean, that, that helps. Yeah. But I also find a lot of blogs, a lot of really valuable information through Twitter that I would not have found otherwise. So yeah. anyway, we, yeah. we, we can talk forever. All right. So that was, the, your first one was marketing, do it purposefully. Don't just do ads to do ads, but have a strategy behind what it is. Um, yeah, and just keep track of what's going on. Again, you know, people who are running ads and spending five hundred dollars, and but but two days into it, you could see you didn't even get a click. Right, like, you've you've always got to leave some time. But if you haven't had a click in two days, it's not working. Turn it off. <laughs> or or regroup. Find yes, yes. Do some testing. Um, but yeah, but to ask a, a, the average user to do to do A B testing is, I think, a a stretch <laughs> which is why i just say turn it off and start again this is yeah. what this is the basics just switch it off start again <laughs> right. for sure um okay the second one is just not not being aware of where your money is going so i did a little exercise with someone the other day when i bring a client on board one of the first things we looked at is profit and loss and like the first thing i go to is subscriptions and then i make them go through and tell me what are they subscribed to because um, it wouldn't be the first time to find someone has two different email service providers that they're paying for. <laughs> Not email, but I just went like, I'm like, I'm using all these posting platforms. I'm paying for all these posting platforms that I'm not paying, that I'm not using. So yeah, yes. I'm um, that. Spotify. How many people are paying for Spotify and don't actually use it because they've upgraded to Apple Music or some other kind of music situation? Um, I have one client who realized she'd spent $350 on Spotify because she bought it for her 40th birthday for a playlist and never use it ever again. Um, you know, email service providers is another one. Um, banks, like a lot of people have to pay, you know, $10 fee a month for their bank account, business bank account, or, you know, small portion for their business bank account, but they have three or four business bank accounts and just because they've never closed them down. So, you know, $50 a month going out for these business bank accounts that you aren't even using. So there's always subscriptions. I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, I know I'm paying for a support of something we don't use anymore as I say that because we just switched over at the end of last month. I need to go in and cancel that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, it's, it's not hard to get about $1,000 a year back, sometimes way more. But most people, it's about $1,000 a year. Right. Yeah, I discovered mine when I was um, doing my taxes, of course. <laughs> Well, it's a write-off, but um, all right. So Steve has a question. And I'm going to get Steve once we get through the third thing of these, and I'll get to your question, and then um, and we'll and I'll I'll put it on screen and stuff. He's got a good question. So okay. So what's the the third? Okay, the third one is um, when you have a team, is just not using them to the best of their ability. I know these are not your standard. You know, I wasn't going to give you really basic things like you know you're not selling you've got stock sitting on your shelf you guys know all that but the other one is team the great thing about small business is you are in a situation when you bring somebody on to give them a job that is dynamic like how often do we hire someone in small business for just one thing and the answer is usually never you know if you get a VA they don't just do your WordPress site they're probably going to do a little bit of yeah, you'll find something else that they're good at and they'll go, oh, you know what, I can do that. So same thing happened with my VA. He came on just to do WordPress and we were paying an editor for the podcast and it took him about six months and he's like, you do realize I do that for somebody else, don't you? <laughs> I was like, no, 
Because so yeah, I had a VA is virtual assistant for those virtual who Virtual assistant. Know. Yes. And so he's like, Yeah, I do XYZ's um podcast. I was like, dude, I would much rather you do it because then we're not, you know, we one where there's no friction point. Like we had to send it off to that person, we had to wait for it to come back, blah, blah, blah. And so now he does he does like the whole process right right from the beginning. So the other thing is like in store, uh, so many people I see, you know, they've got a small boutique store and when there's no customers, their staff just stand there or they're dusting. And inevitably, some, everyone has a superpower is what I say. Um, but, you know, maybe they're great at taking photos of flat lays. Maybe they're great at writing blog posts. Maybe they're you know, great at your social media and they can queue up some some Facebook posts for you. The fact is they're going to be good at something. Right. You just you just have to work out what that superpower is because you should not be putting products on your website. You should not be writing copy for your website. You should not be as the business owner. These are not things that you guys should be doing. So you're leaking money if your staff are just standing there dusting. Yes, dusting needs to be done, but something else may need to be done more. And I think a lot of a lot of retailers just get their their head in this kind of blinker mode, which is you know. I hired Susan to be a shop associate. I was like, yeah, but Susan's not dumb. And she's actually going to be more excited when she comes to work if she loves photography and she can dabble a little bit in photography. Um, same thing happened with my merchandise. And, you know, this, these are things I tell you guys because I have done them. Um, right. Merchandise, we were paying someone to come and do all of our windows. And then two of, in two of my shops, the girls were just chatting and one was like, oh, we should do this in the windows, we should do this in the windows. And then they just came to me and said, oh, we've got this great idea for the windows. Can we have a go? I'm like, hell yeah, you have a go. And they were awesome. Nice. And I was paying someone like $800 to come and merchandise shop windows. Oh and my. so the great, the great thing for them was they became so engaged in coming to work. Like they would plan out when, you know, when the shop wasn't busy, they'd call each other and they'd go, oh, this is, you know, this is the concept I had. I'm going to get these props and I'm going to do this. And the other one would be like, oh, you could do this and you could do that. And so, you know, it was collaboration, but just that reignited passion. And I think we forget that not only are we losing money, but you could well lose a really fantastic staff member, virtual or otherwise, just because you you were really linear about the thing you hired them to do. Yeah, for sure. I That happens in across all businesses. And I've, I've talked yes. about this before. Like I have had times where I've had bosses go oh well you can do that like yeah would you like to see my resume <laughs> yeah I can do that you know as a salesperson oh my god my I got my bachelor's in English I'm a writer yeah and I used to be a technical writer and so like I had a software startup company who didn't have a lot of work for me to do it at the outset I was pre-marketing they were holding me back because the product wasn't ready yet and I was like well who's gonna write the online help and he said oh well, I don't know. I mean, we didn't really thought about that. And I said, well, you know, I, I used to do that for a job. <laughs> you can use. He's like, oh, really? Yeah. Five and a half years I wrote users guides and online help. So, um, but he hired me to do marketing. So, I mean, it makes sense that he wouldn't have thought that. But it's just kind yes. of funny to your point. How, like, just ask, so, you know. And I was going to say, how easy would it have been for him to lose $5,000 for that? you know, to go and hire someone to do that. So right. for me, it's just being open, being aware that everybody has a superpower. 
For sure. And it's so funny that you use that term superpower. I'm surprised uh, Elizabeth hasn't hasn't chimed in because that's one of my my standing questions when we have time. I ask my guests if they could have a superpower in their job, what would it be? So hopefully we'll get to that at the end. Okay. Because um, having a superpower just like regular for regular life, I think is different than for your job. Okay. So Steve Dunn has asked, um, so company pre-launch online business question, any thoughts? That's really broad. Um, so Steve, if you want to give us any more um, specifics about what you're looking for, my, my guess is, you know, what should people do online before the actual product has been um, yeah. launched? So I, that's what I would take that to be like, how can he, how can he generate some interest in the product before he actually goes live? And that is key. I, I actually wrote a whole little kind of 21 day walkthrough on how to do, to do this. Um, but the key is just getting people to connect. So you guys have probably heard back in the day with Red Bull. Uh, uh, do you know the story about how Red Bull managed to get into shops? No. Oh, so they did like a bit of a guerrilla marketing campaign. They were trying to sell their product into shops and to supermarkets and things like that. And nobody wanted it. So what they did is they started getting friends ringing up the supermarkets and the shops saying, hey, do you stock Red Bull? Do you stock? And of course, once they started getting all these um, people asking for it, people would go back and, and do it. They also did a lot of guerrilla marketing tactics, like sort of flash mobs leaving masses of cans in the beach you know near the beach and things like that but the biggest thing they did was they just got people to ask for it in you know ask other people for it so the for me creating some kind of awareness in the journey and i'd love to know steve what it is you're actually launching because i had a lady who was opening a homeware store and it was in a historic building and the place was so run down and I said to her, now is when we get you on social media. So for the first six months, her social media was filled with just renovating this historic shop before she even went into it. So she built this huge following along the way of people who, who were following the journey. And so by the time she came to opening the shop, she had like 2,000 followers. So it's a, I love behind the scenes. I'm not very good at behind the scenes, <laughs> I have to say. I am not your creative type person. So I really struggle with behind the scenes. But Steve, if you can get out there on social media and you can just start showing people what the product, you know, what the product is going to do, how it's going to change, what the journey is along the way, if it's a it's a dancewear product. Is it a piece of clothing? Hopefully he can get back. Because this is fantastic. Because if it's dancewear, there's a lot of behind the scenes in dance. The people yeah. who you are going to be, you know, your tribe, they're going to want to see your daughter at dance rehearsal or they're going to want to see you know, backstage before a, a show goes live. They're going to want to see the, the bunions on your feet. Like, you know, it's disgusting, yeah. but yeah. that's what's yeah. going to bring them in. Daughters, two dancer daughters. So I'm sure that's what they, this came out of. So, yeah, for sure, recording the journey. And it doesn't have to be live, although live is fun. But you can record just like many videos um, yeah. showing the journey from from before a product launches all the way through, I think is really powerful. Yes. Telling your own story in a, yes. in a way like that. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. He says, and so if it's. <laughs> yeah, if if it's something like dancewear, you know, you could show you going to the factory, you could show different swatches of colours, you can show you hunting for fabric, you know, to get samples, all those kinds of things. That is, if people can be there before the product goes live, they are so invested in it. They they feel like they are part of your business. You know, they are your tribe. 
So if you can get them to, to get on board before you even sell it, you'll probably be able to pre-sell a product before you even have it made. And that's yeah. another key is proof of concept. So if you can sell, if you can just get a prototype and you can sell the damn thing, sell the damn thing so you can have the cash flow coming in, but manage customer expectations in the process. Yes, for sure. I'm, I can't tell you how many things I've bought on, you know, Indiegogo or whatever. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Just like waiting a year yes. to get super awesome suitcase that. Oh, the suitcase. Everybody bought the suitcase. By the time it came out, there were like five other products from these huge businesses, right? That had the capital to like to do it before they did. And then yeah. it totally did not meet my, meet my expectations either. I was like, oh. And now you can't get it through. Through security anyway. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. You have to keep the battery pack out. Yeah, that whole I had not even bothered. Yeah, that's another story I could go on yeah. about that. But this is it. But yeah. the, the what do they say? Disappointment is like the I am just paraphrasing here, but like disappointment is like the, the difference between expectations and what's delivered. So the always in in any business, but especially in retail, it's to over deliver. Right. And so if you can pre-sell it, again, this is where the journey comes in. So, you know, hey, guys, we've opened up the blue tutu. You can get yours now. And then you start going through what's happening with the blue tutu. And I would say if you have pre-sold something, you need to be sending out something once a week. You need to be and monitoring that journey. And even if it's something, something goes wrong, like our technical difficulties today, we didn't just abandon it. We didn't right. just say, sorry, guys, I know you're waiting there, but, you know, come back another day we're just like just keep going through because yeah. it's that whole hero's journey it's the ups and the downs that make people connect with you steve so do just get out there and you can you've got you've got it so easy if there's something like dance because it's pretty and it's sparkly like it's much harder to sell i don't even know why i have this blue tape you know, <laughs> this is a lot harder to sell pre-sell masking tape than something beautiful like dancewear so i think you i think you're going to be on a winner there yeah, well, and he's active on Instagram, so I could see him definitely leveraging that and um, getting in on yeah. all those hashtags uh, for sure. And he could hire me as a consultant. <laughs> um, so real quick, um, and then one thing I think that helped uh, that helped save us today in terms of viewers is that I did start on my personal page, and and I let people know where. Whereas if I wasn't doing that, people who were going to tune in you know, who had planned, make it, who had made an appointment to tune in might have been like, what the heck, you know? Uh, but I don't, I mean, I, like I said, I don't have a ton of viewers that come from my business page and we get more, much more on the replay, tons of replay. And um, I think it might have something to do with the time of day and stuff too. But at least with my friends, you know, that helped me to, to some. So anyone who's watching me on my personal page right now is just seeing me talk to you. <laughs> and I keep trying to post like, go to my business page on there. Um, well, we were, so, we, were, we were so like, um, you know, frantic trying to get everything working that I didn't even get a chance to go and share it onto my page. So I will make sure once we've done, I will share the replay over onto my page for you. <laughs> show perfect yeah um and i will um you know and then the audio will be out in the next couple of days so um yes. so perfect okay so we are running a low on time but i do want to if we could quickly get through uh the three hacks to significantly change your online store okay that's a whole podcast in itself too all right let me just go through get me go, go through really quickly one is when it comes to product descriptions, make sure that you've actually written them and you haven't just scraped from manufacturers. So 
it's really important to make sure that when you write, you write not just keyword stuffing, but it, to me, the difference to buying something from a certain person and even paying more is, you know, if we, let's talk about this blue tape, is I say, you know, not only is it 100 metres long and it's, you know, an inch wide, I could, you know, I could go on and say, we love this tape because it's so easy to remove 48 hours later. You know, masking tape, you usually have to take off in 24 hours. But if you've actually used the product, what does it, not necessarily the tape, but what does it smell like? What does, what does it make you feel when you open the box? So because we had kids products, we always used to say, we love opening the box of these toys because they, they were these crazy toys. They always make us smile. And right. there, was this, there was this little penguin and no word of a lie, it would move in the shop. And obviously people would pick it up and move it, but it was always just this one penguin. And we used to say, the funny thing about Pete Penguin is he's never in the same place. Like we'll come in the next day and he's moved from the shelf to somewhere else. Like he's a little trickster. So we would put those kinds of things in because again, it's about connection. And so you could buy Pete Penguin from 10 other stores, but when you came to our stores, we actually charged two more dollars for, you know, 10% more for him. But people would be like, Oh, that's so cute. Or we'd say, you know, you can go, this can go through the wash. We've tried it in yet. Yeah, we know what it's like when it drops in the mud. You need to be able to put it through the wash. We've tested Pete. Manufacturer doesn't say this, but we've tested Pete in the wash and he came out just fine. You know, things like that. That's right. the difference between buying from you and buying from someone else. Well, and I think carrying that, um, the way that you write your product descriptions, carrying that through your, uh, all your marketing. Having yes. fun if it fits the product, obviously. Yes. But you know, having a having that that creative way that you describe your products on the products carry over through everything else. So there's yes. some there. So there's some we call it brand voice. So making sure that brand voice is the same throughout all your channels. Um, second one is just really making good use of your post cart purchase page. So when you buy something and you you know, it says order completed or, you know, thanks for your order. You can customize that page, guys. Like, get me to do something on that page. Come and like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram, tag us for a chance to win $50. Like, something. I have just given you money. I am so excited about the thing that I've bought. I am so engaged right now. Don't just say thanks for your order. You are missing out on money. You're missing out on engagement. You're missing out on a whole bunch of stuff. Sell me something else. Right. I just bought, I'm, I'm happy to buy, sell me something else. Right, absolutely. Um, and the other one is just upsells. People think upsells and cross-sells, you can only do them in-store. But the fact is there are so many add-ons, you know, Shopify, Magento, BigCommerce, all those kinds of things have apps that, yes, you're going to have to pay for them, but it's a small percentage. If you can get every single order up, I did a little um, – a little exercise and I can't remember the numbers off my head, but something along the lines of I had a store that was doing $67, $67 average sale, 30 sales a day. And we worked out, and guys, if you're calculating this, I'm probably wrong. We worked what? out if we could get her sales up $10, she would make an extra $200,000 over the year if she could just make that sale go up $10. So you are missing out on you know literally six or seven figures if you don't, work out a way to cross-sell or upsell either online or in-store. If you haven't trained your staff to do that, then that's back to your leaking money. But that's a huge, huge place where people just don't think, you know, they don't want to be slimy salespeople. 
Right. Right. I worked at Gap in in college, and they they always they wanted us to get the UPT up, the units yeah. per transaction. So. Yeah that's a way for them to get us to try to hit a marker, but, and that's incrementally, obviously increasing yeah. sales. So, so they're units. I'm rather dollars. I don't care how many units you sell. I would rather you sell one $200 product than four $10 products. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> for sure. So okay, that would be so my three hacks really quickly. Cause I know you, you push for time. No. So, so amazing. So I think the moral of of this story for me is that we need to have you on for a full hour uh, <laughs> like this wealth of knowledge and um so we're we're talking through our second season so i think i think in my second season i want to um take those shows that were these short ones where there's like there's just a lot more to talk about or even there's some one hour shows where we're like there's needs to be a part two um uh, love and, those yeah and bring you back uh in season two and um and sort of and expand on this. I think that uh, you're obviously you have this wealth of knowledge. So I just going to ask that final question. Then what's your if you could have superpower in your job, what would it be? I think if I could come up with better. I was going to say subject lines, that would be great. So in terms of copywriting, I'm not, you know, I can copyright, but I'm not a copywriter. So if you can give me a subject line, I can bang you out a blog post. I can put an article together. I can put a webinar together. But it's sometimes just I write for a couple of um, trade organizations and they just give me free reign. I'm like, dude, you don't know how hard that is. Yeah. <laughs> just give me a topic at least. No, no, you know what you're doing. So if I could write those, not clickbaity, but you know, really pull you in kind of subject lines without having to write. 50 subject lines to get there yeah th that would be an awesome superpower that is that would be awesome so i one thing i started to use is the headline analyzer yes yeah, the co-schedule one yeah so yeah. Uh, for those who are who are listening or watching who haven't who don't know um so you can just google headline analyzer and you'll find it um and you enter you, you enter it in and it tells you how it how it does on an emotional scale and all this like if it's above 70 or gold you know that kind of thing so i i use that to tweak my my headlines and my my subject titles for for my blog posts because it's supposed to you know generate more activity but mine tend to sit at about between like 80 and 83 i don't think i've ever cracked like over 85. <laughs> wow, that's so good though that's amazing Perfect. Okay. But it takes a lot of time to get those. No, for sure. Mine is um, that I I want internet, Wi-Fi to be ubiquitous. I want it to work everywhere, all the time, no issues, like like air. I want it to be like air. Yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> From living on the earth. <laughs> okay, so well. I just want I was going to say, I just put together a little, um, for those people who are living, li listening, living and listening, um, especially mm -hmm. someone like Steve, if you do have um, inventory of any type, then I put together a little e-guide for you guys on how to move stock, nine ways to move stock without having a sale. So you can grab it. I'll give you the link, but you can grab it at selenanight.com forward slash cash. And it's free. You know, it's just a just an opt-in, pop your email address in. Um, my first email that goes out says, love me or leave me. So if you just want the guide, that's okay. Um, but of course, I would love it if you could stick around because there's always some great information going out every week. 
for sure. Okay, so that was going to be my next question is how, how, the, how to best get a hold of you. So that's it. Selena and I. Yes. yes. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Selena, thank you so much. I mean, I, I so appreciate you just agreeing to be on the show and rescheduling and then for <laughs> totally rallying this morning because um, it is for those um, who didn't hear earlier, it's Friday uh, in Australia. She's in yes. Sydney. Um, and I scheduled it for 8 a.m. her time when it was really 7 a.m. So um, <laughs> you're lucky I took my email. <laughs> Always an adventure. I know. I was sitting there going, I should just check this out. So, um, so yeah. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. This has been episode 14 of Making a Marketer, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>